If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. A young Abraham Lincoln speaking after a mob riot in St. Louis in 1838. Important words we need to recall today. We live in contentious times. Abraham Lincoln felt similar pressure. In the same speech, he said no army from the outside could ever defeat the country. If the nation fails, it would come from within. I ponder these words even as the January 6th panel presented their findings on Thursday night, and even after a possible assailant was found near Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's home this week. Political and palace intrigue is nothing new. Queen Esther had one chance to protect her people from genocide. And even though she was a young orphan, God used her for the mighty work of preserving the line of the Messiah. No matter the trials of life today, you can depend on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Welcome to Haven Today here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is a program we're calling a royal sacrifice. Now, in our weekday program, we've been looking at the life of Queen Esther, who I just mentioned. Today, we're going to wrap up this little Old Testament book, and we'll look at a foundational truth that can be discovered in her story. It was true then. It's still true today. So stay with me, and we'll see how the providence of God still impacts our lives today. And speaking of a queen... We've been so blessed by so many listeners who've been asking for this new book that we've been offering called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. I recently spoke with the author of this book, and Catherine Butcher shared how Queen Elizabeth is so open about her faith in Jesus. The Queen writes her own speeches for the Christmas broadcast to the Commonwealth, and that's when we begin to realize how important Jesus Christ is to her because invariably she mentions Jesus in those broadcasts and in 2014 for example she said for me the life of Jesus Christ the Prince of Peace whose birth we celebrate today is an inspiration and an anchor in my life she's someone who talks personally about her faith and talks about Jesus being the the anchor in her life and the strength that she draws on is, is the strength of Christ. Catherine Butcher, who wrote Our Faithful Queen. Did you know that Queen Elizabeth is the oldest and longest reigning monarch in British history? Only a week ago, her nation was celebrating her 70 years on the throne. She is loved. She's admired by so many around the world. But I think her legacy will be how her faith in Christ has affected her leadership style. She serves and loves her nation because Jesus loved and first served her. And that's why the book called Our Faithful Queen is so refreshing. It shows how Elizabeth authentically shares her faith with the world in action and deed. After the program today, I want you to have a copy of this book. It's packed full of pictures, memories, and examples of her faith in Jesus Christ. And a little reminder, you can't find this book on Amazon or in a local bookstore. We had these books shipped directly to us from the United Kingdom. So after the program, just call 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. 
or visit us online at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. While you're there, check out the blog we have called 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. And now let's open with the Worship Initiative and Shane and Shay. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes You have new mercies for me every day Fails. Shane and Shane in the Worship Initiative here on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. We're calling the program A Royal Sacrifice. Now, before we go to Esther chapter 9, there are actually 10 chapters, but only three verses in the 10th chapter. I want us to remember where we've been, if you were with me on the past few days on our weekday program. I'm going to make this very abridged, but it's significant. Esther and her cousin Mordecai, who raised her, had become the queen and the prime minister of the Persian Empire. The prior prime minister, under Xerxes, Haman, was an evil man. He wanted to kill Mordecai. But now Haman has been executed. His genocide decree that ordered the massacre of all the Jews in the Persian Empire was still in force, a decree that would be carried out in the future. 
In response to Haman's decree against the Jews, Mordecai, now the prime minister, issues a decree permitting the Jews to assemble and defend themselves against attack. That was really the situation at the end of chapter 8 of Esther. Would the Jewish response to Mordecai's order be sufficient to counter the earlier effect of Haman's order? Well, that was the question we were left hanging with at the end of chapter 8, if you read through Esther. And now there's the answer in chapter 9, verse 16. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of them, but did not lay their hands on the plunder. This happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. That is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observe the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day for giving presents to each other. Let me keep reading. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar, as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned to joy, and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy, and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast the poor, that is, the lot, for their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme that Haman had devised against the Jews should come back unto his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore these days were called Purim, from the word poor, because of everything written in this letter and because of what they had seen and what had happened to them, the Jews took it upon themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. That's the word of the Lord from Esther 9. From our reading, you know one of the reasons why Esther was written. It was to document why the Jews celebrate Purim, as they do to this day. And whenever Purim is celebrated, the book of Esther is read in its entirety in the synagogues. So you can understand why I would have asked you on earlier programs, if you were listening on the weekday program of Haven Today, to read it for yourself and do it in a single sitting. The children have noisemakers, so whenever Haman is mentioned, the children will clack loudly to make harsh noises. And when Mordecai is mentioned, there's cheering. It's exciting, wonderful. I want to show you in our time together just one foundational truth from this closing story in Esther. This foundational truth was true then. It's still true today. 
and it impacts our lives today. Here it is, foundational truth number one. God does what he promises. Now, if you're going to remember anything I say today, that's it. God does what he promises. The only thing between what God promises and what he fulfills is time, the amount of time it takes for his promises to be fulfilled. Here's my point. I like the way one commentator put it. The author is showing it is God's decree, his word, that assures the survival of his people. The rest is just detail. I think that's pretty insightful. Here we have God's decree coming through Mordecai and that word that saves the Jews. As we read Esther as Christians today, we ought to see in the word of Mordecai the prefiguring of God's best and final word. And that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember how the book of Hebrews in the New Testament opens? In former days, God spoke at various times, in various ways, through the prophets. But in these final days, he has spoken to us by his son. And the rest is, as I've described before, just a mop-up. It's just finishing what was started earlier in the book. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if that describes you, your destiny was certain before time. But the way that destiny was fulfilled was at the cross. Nothing or no one can now take Jesus' life that is in you away from you. As Paul tells us in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He will. All these other things are just the details. He's already given us his son. You don't have to sweat the rest. It's the detail. It's mopping up. The victory, your victory, is inevitable. There is no drama, no uncertainty. There is no tension about it. No matter how unlikely it seems right now, no matter what condition your life is in at the moment, no matter how messed up and dark, maybe even mysterious your life seems, you think you're backed into a corner, maybe, a place where you can't escape. But if you're in the hands of Christ Jesus, victory is inevitable. In fact, it is assured. In fact, it's a done deal. And the rest is just detail. I think that's what Esther 9 is showing us. It's just the detail. It's just the mopping up. Because once God spoke through Mordecai, Victory was assured. One more quick thing about the great story that's all about Jesus. One of the best things in this little book of Esther has been the very realistic picture of how God works in our lives today. Absent from Esther are any real miracles. It's always God behind the scenes, invisible, quiet, but certainly bringing about his purposes affecting his promises. The remarkable thing is he is not hindered by our mistakes, nor our failures, nor our doubts or our compromises. God, in fact, somehow mysteriously decreed even with our mistakes and weaves them together into his plan so that his promises are always fulfilled 
They're fulfilled perfectly, and he is the ultimate actor. What I want us to see is, even though God is invisible, the ultimate actor, the Jews in the Persian Empire, still had to plan. They still had to prepare. They still had to assemble. And they had to fight in order to bring about the salvation that God had decreed. And in that, it's an important reminder for us here today. If you are a Christian, if you claim the name of Jesus, you are not a Christian because of anything you've done. You're not a Christian because of any of your good works. You're a Christian because of the good works of Jesus. Even the most devout follower of Christ has no grounds to boast that he or she is a better Christian somehow because of what they've done. No way. We only get to boast in Jesus, the one we follow, and what he did and has done and is doing. But that doesn't mean, even though we stand on the sufficiency of what God has done in Christ, it doesn't mean we can sit around and do nothing. The Jews in Persia didn't sit around and do nothing, even though they were trusting in God to save their lives. Ephesians 2, you know this, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What was Paul saying? He was saying you're not saved by your good works, But as a Christ follower, you're saved for good works. And God has prepared those good works for you to do. And the other reminder is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary good works, to bring about his kingdom, to put into effect his promises. Mordecai and Esther were just ordinary people. They rose to become prominent, the queen and the prime minister. Mordecai was a civil servant in Xerxes' empire when the book opened. Esther was just a Jewish girl, in fact, a Jewish orphan girl in the Persian empire. We know nothing at all of the other Jews that were used that day, the 13th day of Adar, to ultimately save the lives of all God's people in Persia. God uses ordinary people. He uses people like you and me. God is in control of every detail of our lives. All the events, everything is under his sovereign providential control. When you read Esther, you may think there are no miracles here. But then, if you think about it, you begin to see. Providence is the greatest miracle of all. How does God pull that off? It's so huge, and it's happening around us even today all the time, so often maybe that we might miss it. But God in his providence has you right where you are, right where you need to be, because that's what he has decreed for you. You're working for what God has lovingly planned for you, and he's going to use everything you do to bring about his kingdom and to bring about his purposes. There is strength within the sorrow 
There is beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting You're sanctifying us When beyond our understanding You're teaching us to trust Your plans are still to prosper have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire and the flood You're faithful forever Perfect in love You are sovereign over us Unimagined Who could understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Reaching down in endless grace You're the lifter of the lowly and kind You surround and you uphold me And your promises are my delight Your plans are still to prosper album called Sovereign, Michael W. Smith and Sovereign Over Us, on a haven today called A Royal Sacrifice. I'm Charles Morris, and thank you so much for joining me wherever you happen to be, whatever you happen to be doing. The life of Queen Esther is inspiring. This queen was willing to serve both God and her people, even in the hardest of times. 
and she was just an ordinary person like you and me, nervous, scared, no doubt, but she trusted in God by faith. And that can't help but remind me of a current queen, Queen Elizabeth II, and the new book just out, Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. This book was written to give you insight into the vibrant faith she has in Christ. You heard the author of the book earlier in the program sharing how every Christmas the Queen talks about Jesus, and it seems very clear that the legacy she wants to leave is the same we should all aspire to. I am someone who served Jesus because Jesus served me first. I want you to have a copy of this book, Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. It's an enjoyable book to look at, and it's also filled with remarkable stories of the Queen's faith. Your own faith will be encouraged and grow by this insider look at the life she lives for Christ. And one last note that I mentioned when we started, Our Faithful Queen cannot be found on Amazon or in a local bookstore. But we have it here at Haven Today, and we got it straight out of the UK. Call us right now for your copy. Our number is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or check out some sample pages from Our Faithful Queen on the website and make your gift then and there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. We all want a place to belong, whether it's a family, a company, or a group of friends. And how many benefits do we get from being a citizen of our nation? We've all heard stories about refugees, especially the people who've had to flee Ukraine over the last months. Longing for your home is something that breaks our hearts. We want to be in the place where we belong. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 3? Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of another country, a heavenly country. And even though we live on this fallen earth, every day we get closer to home, and Jesus paid the way for us. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit GetAnchor.com.